0: Undue to popular belief, there are trails in Arkansas outside of Northwest Arkansas, and they, they're they pretty good trails, too. Um, they're just a little different, but it's been good for all of us up there. And, you know, I we hear all the time, well, you know, if, if we had $40 billion or whatever the number is, like, we could do the same thing, but it's not just the money. There's a lot of community buy-in that has to happen for something like that to go on. And yes, the money helps, but there's also money available from other sources.
1: Welcome to Travel Back. I'm your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests in Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. Episode 68 features Jeff Gannon of Affordable Trail Solutions based out of Clinton, Arkansas. Jeff has been a huge supporter of the Trail Fact podcast, so it was great to sit down and have a conversation about trails with Jeff. Stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode as we take a deeper dive into the podcast itself and my thoughts on making the Trail Fact podcast more sustainable. Monetization of the Trail Fact podcast has been weighing pretty heavily on my mind, which is probably a good thing because it is making me expand my thoughts around the future of the podcast and how it can grow from where it is now. Some of you know that I started a Patreon account for the podcast, then shut it down because I was personally struggling with the whole listener-based support thing. Ever since recording this interview with Jeff, I've gone back to thinking Patreon paired with multiple other ways of funding the Trail Effect actually does make a lot of sense. At any rate, Jeff and I go off on a funding tangent and a tangent of support for future trail planning, building, and maintenance. I'd also like to hear from you, the listener, about what you'd like to hear more of on the Trail Effect podcast and maybe what you'd like to hear less of. Ultimately, this show is created to share knowledge, so please let me know what you'd like to learn about. I have to thank the Professional Trail Builders Association for the invite to the Sustainable Trails Conference in Batonville, Arkansas as this invite is what made these episodes possible, and it is where I got to meet Jeff in person. Support for Trail Fat comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for Truck, Bicycle Company, and Selsa Cycles. Smith also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Now on to the interview with Jeff Gannon.
2: Here we are today with Trail Fact. I have Jeff Gannon from Affordable Trail Solutions. Howdy. Located in beautiful Arkansas. I don't know if anybody has done any mountain biking in Arkansas, but apparently there's some mountain biking in the state of Arkansas.
0: Yes, there is.
2: So how's it going today, Jeff?
0: Pretty good. It's uh, good to be on. Looking forward to uh, talking, talking some trail.
2: Oh yeah. We're going to talk trails. Let's talk about, just to qualify you, cause we know, I know who you are. We met in person at the Professional Trail Builders Association conference, but we met, I don't know if you want to call it virtually or not, not in person. You know, way prior to that, as a you as a listener to the Trail Effect and and reaching out um, about talking about some potential topics long before we met in person. You know, when you were I think you were doing some work with the Nature Conservancy in Arkansas.
0: Yeah, that's right. So I'll just start with I'm Jeff Gannon with Affordable Trail Solutions. Uh, we've been professionally building trail for almost four years now, I guess. Uh, we mainly work in Central Arkansas and. Uh, we've been super blessed to stay busy in this part of the state and not have to travel so yeah we mainly specialize in a more natural setting for trail kind of work with the land and uh, use what's already there and accent it that way tends to um, tends to work out better for
2: us what projects have you been involved with? so we'll just start with the first our
0: first professional contract was with the Nature Conservancy of Arkansas at Rattlesnake Ridge. Five and a half or six miles of some pretty technical trail and some uh, lots of rocks, lots of seep water. Uh, we learned a lot on that project. We'd done several other small municipality, just local trails, NICA trails. I have another big nature conservancy project we just finished up last year with the bluffton preserve it's six and a half miles of some backcountry single track rock really unique riding haven't really seen that type of stuff anywhere else in the state it's kind of moabish on certain trails beautiful preserve if you hadn't been up there go check it out it's definitely worth the drive um There's also a house on site and give it a little plug that you can Airbnb from the Nature Conservancy and stay the weekend.
2: A term that you just said that I find a lot of in Arkansas, but don't find a lot in other places, which are seeps. You want to explain what that actually is? And they're everywhere in Arkansas.
0: Yeah. So a seep, wet weather spring, um, you know, springs, there's all kinds of names for them. But basically the way that our geography is is geology, excuse me, is especially in the Ouachitas, the way the plates collided and make the ridges running east and west, um, just think of it as a bunch of plates on top of each other and you squish them together and make a peak. Well, the water goes down in those layers on top of all these ridges and goes down underneath and comes out down at the bottom. And there's underground aquifers and lots of other things that um, that have to do with how the water comes out on uh, lake levels and all kinds of things, but it really makes it hard to build trail in the springtime here.
2: Yeah. I noticed when I've been to places like Lake Leatherwood that sometimes those seeps are going year round and I don't know, you know, I haven't personally followed the weather trends in Arkansas, but I have personally followed the weather trends in Wisconsin. And it seems like ever since 2016, we got, you know, we've, We've gotten a lot of pretty heavy rain events, otherwise known as floods. And those seeps in those springs have, it seems like those aquifers have been replenished. And I know where I live, there's a lot more water coming out of the ground in places where typically you don't see water coming out of the ground. A lot more people getting beaver systems, putting in, put them in their basements, you know, and just a lot of, just a lot more water. Is that something, is that a trend that you guys have seen down there as well?
0: You know, I think so. Um, we started dealing with the wet weather spring stuff at rattlesnake and really battled it and just slowly learned, you know, it didn't have a whole lot of it at Bluffton, but did have some, but now, uh, this new job we're on is back in the rattlesnake area and it's, it's worse than rattlesnake was. So, and and it's rain dependent. I personally think it has something to do with the lake level. There's a lake nearby. And I think a lot of it has to do with the level of that lake and the pressure that it puts on the underground aquifers, but there's I have no scientific backing for that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, as you've learned, when you spend enough time in the woods, you start to follow trends if you're paying attention.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's uh, you know, we've had lots and lots and lots of rain this spring. Everything's soaking wet. Uh, it's been been pretty hard to deal with. Just had to lay it down and come back when it dries out type thing.
2: Yeah. That's something that actually, you know, for me personally has came up from a, how to deal with this from a mental standpoint, you know, because we got like, even just as like, I don't know what I was like in Arkansas last year, but in Wisconsin, we got a really early spring and it was pretty dry and we could get out and ride or do whatever your, your form of outdoor recreation is. And this year it's, it's like never ending. I look at the long-term forecast, uh, the 10-day forecast, and I'm still seeing 30-degree temperatures for lows up here. You know, extending into what would be basically early, early May. And I've talked to friends, and I joked this morning. I texted a couple friends. I said, "Hey, like, this has got me like pondering so many different things that I'm now pondering how and why the Pez dispenser was created."
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's. It's starting, I think our we have a drying trend coming. It's 80 degrees a day and the wind's blowing about 40 miles an hour. So that'll help.
2: I am jealous. Yeah, it, it is 45 and raining here.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, you can have that. We'll take our seeps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's go
2: inside the industry. One of the things I had brought up to you when we were emailing back and forth is You know, industry support and just and this is where we're going to get into what I call refer trail talk, but industry support for trail building and trail advocacy. And my take is maybe a little bit different than a lot of other people's. And I lean a lot more towards access and planning as being the way forward where it seems like a lot of companies and even grants are out there for the purpose of building only. But we struggle at least where I live, to get to the point of where we can actually build. What do you get? What do you see down there? What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, we we are super fortunate that, um, I'm, in case any of y'all don't know, Northwest Arkansas has made it pretty easy for the rest of the state to see the benefits, both financially and health um, for trails. And mountain biking in general, so we don't see a whole lot of access problems. Um, just being with that, everybody kind of gets it here, and I, you know, it's probably easier here than once we once we do get access, we usually don't lose it or don't have to worry about losing it. Um, which I understand is not the case in a lot of places.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I know, you know, I've had this conversation with people on the side. I don't know if it's ever been talked about on the podcast. But when I personally dug in, I got really curious about Northwest Arkansas after 2016 and what in that basically after it coming down to the Bentonville region in 2016 and trying to figure out how how everything was done. And at that point, there's a couple things that stuck out. The most important one being the state of Arkansas really embraced mountain biking from a access perspective and a state parks really early, like well before the Waltons were talking about even thinking about building mountain bike trails. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's really kind of helped pave the way, you know, everybody says, well, it's because of Waltons. And I, I do add that while they've helped accelerate things, you know, your state capital has had mountain biking as a display in the center of the capital.
0: Yeah. So, uh, undue to popular belief, there are trails in Arkansas outside of Northwest Arkansas, and they, they're pretty good trails, too. Um, they're just a little different, but it's been good for all of us up there. And, you know, I we hear all the time, well, you know, if, if we had $40 billion or whatever the number is, like we could do the same thing. But it's not just the money. There's a lot of community buy-in that has to happen. For something like that to go on and yes the money helps but there's also money available from other sources
2: yeah for sure for sure what's your backstory with mountain biking in general like how did you get into this this world that we know as trails and mountain biking
0: well mountain bikes of course i rode as a kid and jumped all the sketchy wood ramps in the yard and you know kind of how most kids grew up and at my age and did triathlons and and rode road bike um, in junior high and high school and kinda laid it down and got into whitewater kayaking and did that for a while and a while and it was a dry spell, I guess eight seven, eight years ago. And we just weren't boating and there were several boaters that had mountain bikes and, you know, they were that's the mountain it was always joked about mountain biking was the number one kayaking injury (laughs) so i kind of knew about it and uh, a friend of mine let me borrow his bike and i brought it home and kept it for two or three days and just started riding around the yard and doodling was like man i remember how much fun this is and uh That kind of led into, I didn't want to drive 40 minutes over to Wooly Hollow at the Enders Fault Trails. And we've got some acreage here that we live on. It's my wife's family. And uh, I started kicking leaves with my feet. And I did that for about 200 foot. And I was like, man, this is really hurting my leg. So I moved to a rake and raked for a while and then thought, if I had a backpack blower, it would make this a lot easier. So that was kind of the start of mountain biking and into trail building as well.
2: so what did you what did you end up building then on that property?
0: We've got almost two miles here um, and it's kind of a testing ground for when we get a new machine or we want to try something out or one of the guys wants to become an operator and we'll bring a machine home and Kind of proven grounds type thing, and here you go, build some trail, and they can mess up and not have the the part of the building looming over your head like I can't mess this up because this is for the public type thing. They can just kind of chill out, and if they mess it up, they mess it up, and we learn from it and go on.
2: What brought you actually into building? Because you were not—I mean, obviously, you didn't start out. You started out with a rake. You know, yeah. at some point that parlayed into a company.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of a a long story, but it, the, here's the gist of it is I figured out that I liked the building and I've always liked to do things with my hands and construction work. And um, I was working as a service manager at the Ride Bike Shop in Conway at the time. So I was kind of tied into trails as well as mountain bike. And just started volunteering uh, for the Nature Conservancy. And they had a couple of volunteer days up at the Bluffton Preserve. And this was, oh, 2016-ish. And went up there and volunteered and met a fella named Dirk Murley. And me and Dirk got to talking and he said, you know, you just start a trail building company. and. I told him. I said, "Well, I mean, I would, but I don't really have the capital to do all that right now." And we stayed in touch and went back and forth and pitching ideas. And before you know it, it was uh we had a partnership and formed ATS and got the logos made. And here we
2: are. Yeah. What did you do before? Well, so you worked at a bike shop. It was that your full time gig, or was that a part time yeah. gig to supplement another gig? Nope, that was a
0: full time gig. Um, I was working for a monument company before that, uh, sandblasting and tombstones, and basically started weaseling my way into the bike shop. Started out as their social media person, taking pictures, getting posted, just keeping up with stuff on social media, and got to where I was doing more and more and more. And then it's like, hey, you want to come in for a day a week? And it's like, yeah, I got Fridays off, I'll go into work, and then just. More bike shop, less tombstones, and talked to Eric and just basically said, "Hey, I got a spot for you. If you want to to work full time at the bike shop, I need a service manager." So that's how all that went.
2: What's it like in in your end? What's it like to be, to work with the Nature Conservancy? Just generally speaking,
0: this bunch has been great. They have an excellent trails team that gets it, and when we do a project for them, they know they know how we feel and where we're coming from and we know how they feel and where they're coming from. And they are pretty conservator conservative minded. So I feel like we partner pretty well. And I think you can see that in the product.
2: What have you seen as, as far as trends in your building? You know, there's a lot, I've talked about this with, uh, with other people and you know, the, the trend of, flow trail got really big for a long time. And now it seems like that's, uh, kind of waning some and people are now, it's like, everything goes in cycles, right? Like now it's going back to wanting more techie old school built, but keeping in mind that we do have a lot of new riders. Like, what have you seen? Yeah, there's definitely
0: plenty of flow trail. (laughs) Um, and we're seeing the same thing, you know, we're seeing a lot of people complain Um, you know, that's how you figure out what's really on everybody's mind is go to the Facebook pages, you know, and they'll, they'll complain about anything freely on there. And I see a lot of complaining about flow trail and we need more tech and I, you know, that's the way it's going now. I think, you know, one of the, one of the big things that I see is that comes with a lot of flow trail is just by nature. Flow trail is pretty wide. And the wider the trail you have, the more water that you've got to do something with. And it's just, it's really hard to volunteer sustain big wide flow trail. And that's one of the big things that I see that we as a community are lacking on is the maintenance part of things. We have all this trail and we just build, 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 and we don't really have a big maintenance plan to take care of all this stuff that I see. Maybe it's out there and I'm just not seeing it, but I'm pretty involved in the trail community around. So that's probably the trend that bothers me the most is the maintenance side of things.
2: Yeah. That's, you just struck a nerve.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, it's a thing, you know, and I get it. There's, Limited amount of volunteers, and there are usually just a handful out of the pool of volunteers that are super capable of doing dirt, correcting drainage issues, and things like that. And when you build all these steep, quote, fun trails, and don't get me wrong, I love them just as much as everybody, but we can't depend on volunteers to go out there and fix those because they know that they are by nature pretty unsustainable and they would rather spend their time, you know, fixing something that is a lot more sustainable.
2: Oh, for sure. And I've said this multiple times. It's, we did, we didn't get into mountain biking because we were really like itching to build trail. (laughs) Right. You know, we got into, into doing what we do, whether it's volunteering like myself or starting a company like yourself, because we learned how to build trail, but we still want to ride. I, I believe most people want to ride more than dig unless they do make it their career, you know. And volunteers, typically, not everybody, I hate stereotype, but most volunteers have families. And a lot of them, most all of them, although it seems like there's a really a shortage of employees right now, most of them have jobs. Yeah. You know, which which leaves you a limited amount of time. To balance out what you have for free time, which is do I ride or do I dig?
0: Yeah. We, for or sure. we whack? Yeah. You know, and it's I don't know, there's a I'm not sure what to what word I'm looking for here, but you know, we're all too busy anyway. And I think that's part of what trails, you know, Emba says. Uh more trails close to home. You know, and I think that's, I think they're spot on right there. And if we had more trails close to home and you didn't have to pack up and drive an hour to ride or pack up an hour to go do trail work, you would never be in that position where you were like, man, if I do trail work, I don't get to ride today and I'm not going to get to ride tomorrow. So it's going to be two weeks that I don't get to ride because I went and did trail work.
2: Yeah, that, that struggle is real. Even, even for me who I'm in a fortunate location aside from the weather to where (laughs) I can ride to ride and primarily make my garage, my trailhead, you know? So if I drive to the trails, it's no more than a 15 minute drive, you know, and I prefer to ride. So it's, you know, maybe it's actually only a 15 minute pedal to the first trail that I get to as well, you know, through town and I've Locally, have been pushing pretty hard on figuring out some way to create a fund, a trail maintenance fund, that then will allow hiring of staff, even if it's summer staff, to work on maintenance while people are working.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, that's something we're trying to figure out right now as a company and as a community member is how do we fix this? we can't maintenance all these trails problem and we're looking at you know go or patreon accounts or something that maybe people could you know there's a lot of people that that have more money than time and they should be able to help as well um i don't you know i haven't figured out what that looks like yet but i know it's needed And we just have to move forward and try to put the pieces together. And I think that's probably the way of the future, maybe with maintenance. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I'm just throwing out ideas here.
2: Oh, for sure. One of the ideas that I've floated locally that I definitely did not think of, I actually, I believe I pulled it out of Canada. There's a lot of trails in Canada. They're kind of ahead of us in certain places. And that is a, a trail adoption program. And it's different than what a lot of people might think of when you say trail adoption, because a lot of people go to like adopt a highway, you know, which is yeah. literally not, but trail adoption, you know, it's a little bit more technical than picking up trash. Right. And so I've, I've floated it a couple of ways. It didn't, you know, bear in mind, I don't have a case study locally where this has actually worked because I haven't gotten anyone to, to bite into it yet, but I have floated it two different ways. One is you have, you have the club get take a donation from a said company that wants to adopt a trail, and that club then pays staff to do the maintenance on that trail in the name of that company. You know, so that would be one way to fund something. And the other way to do it, and I've had success with this through a trails club where a company, you know, there's always, I think it's in November, it's... Or maybe it's October. It's like a it's like a day of giving. That's not giving Tuesday, but it's a day of where where companies give back or volunteer across the country. And we had a really good success case where a local credit union had reached out to a trail organization. Now, what the the tough part is here, the trail organization is volunteer run, which means that all your crew leaders are volunteers and they need to take off of work the day that the company comes out. But the company comes out you know, and and this particular company split it up into two to, into two shifts. There's a morning shift and an afternoon shift, and you get different groups of people. And we actually went and finished a tr- a build that day with that company. It was a bunch of desk jockeys, and yeah, admittedly, some of them had never been to this trail system or even knew where it was. But I've had a couple of them personally track me down and say, "Hey, like that was the best volunteering we've done for our company ever." And if you have some good trained high or at least decently trained crew leaders to lead those people that come from that company. You can, you can do that. And that's another way to have a a corporate type of trail adoption. It just requires a level of admin on whoever the, whoever is either the land agency or a local trail club or whoever it, it is. That's managing the trails, right?
0: Right. There's all kinds of things you can do. If you have someone that that is their job to come up with, you know, push projects through and set up all this stuff. Um, Around here, we're 100% volunteers as far as I know. And it's just really hard after you work all day to come home and work all night (laughs) on trail stuff.
2: What do you see coming down the pike for affordable trail solutions? What kind of stuff are you looking to get into? What projects do you kind of maybe have on, on, on tap that you maybe can talk about?
0: Yeah, so I think I can talk about our current, just I'm not going to name names, but um, we've got a current contract for seven and a half miles. That's going to keep us busy till October-ish. And we've got a few other things in the pipe, um, a couple of small NICA projects, and that's really it right now. You know, luckily, we never really had to worry about work. And yeah, we get to the end, towards the end of a job and something else will pop up. There's a couple big projects coming up in Little Rock. I'm sure we'll try to throw our hat into into those and stay local the best we can.
2: One of the things I noticed with you your company is that you're getting into the drone industry.
0: Yeah. So I bought a toy. I've had a drone for a long time and it was an old DJI Spark and... I don't know if anybody's ever had one, but the camera's not that good, and I was using a phone, and now I'm an old dude, and I couldn't see the phone and where I was flying and all that jazz. So we kind of, at our yearly ATS meeting, we talked about we wanted to be more of a presence on YouTube and social media, and not just the like, hey, look what we're doing, but more on the education side of things and teach people how to maintenance trails and what to look for and just, you know, stuff that we think is basic, but if you're not a trail builder, you probably never really thought about it. So the drones kind of part of that. And we're just gathering up all the toys and tools right now to, to get going on that. And it's kind of like the volunteer thing. That's what I do in my spare time. And as y'all that own businesses, probably already know that the spare time's few and far between but yeah that's where the drone's at and i've been out and we've got a, we've got a uh, trail building mountain biking youtube channel and uh, i looked the other day and like the last five or six videos have all been drone videos of flying around out in the yard and storms and whatnot but at some point we'll get back on track and start producing some some trail related content and uh, one of our main things we want to do with that is the trail systems that we build we want to go in and do a trail by trail preview of the whole system and kind of a lot of it'll be uh, GoPro footage from a chesty and we want to kind of tell the story of that trail system and point out things from a trail builder standpoint that most people probably would never recognize or know or you know there's all when you spend that much time on a project there's always funny stories and why this is named that and you know every trail has a story and that's kind of a lot of what we want to do is tell the story of the trails we've built
2: and did i hear you correctly early on is that you're looking at helping train people on the maintenance side of things
0: yeah so we've done a little of that um there is a Lake Nixon Summer Camp, a uh, super awesome organization. They actually do I'm not sure how far. I think it's kindergarten through 2nd grade, but it's outdoor classroom learning day camp, and they also have summer camp as well. But they have started building a trail system on their land, and they contacted us and anyway. We've we've we go help them when we can and We've also done some workdays, and they've just, you know, basically paid us to come run workdays, bring all our tools, bring the knowledge and teach a bunch of Nike kids. And, um, it's actually, um, uh, a church nonprofit camp. So a lot of people from the church come out and, you know, in, in four or five hours, we can teach 30 people what they need to know. To come back the next day or the next day or whenever they have time they have the knowledge to come back and actually dig trail in and you know is it always perfect no but it's it's pretty free that way so that's you know a great way to get a trail system completed without a whole bunch of money
2: well i can see that you have the rattlesnake ridge natural area as your background
0: yeah, so that came about. Um, Nature Conservancy had those; they had an initial set of signs up before the official trail stuff was in, and they changed the signs. And uh, they actually, their trail, their trail coordinator, found it fitting that since that was our first real job to to give that to us to hang on the wall, and there it is. That's kind awesome. Yeah, it's kind of a good reminder. And and really, ever since then, I've kind of mentioned that to whoever we work for. It's like, hey, when you get signage made, we would love to have a a kiosk sign. And and of course, we'll pay for it. But it would be awesome just to have a room full of signs for nostalgic, I guess.
2: One of the things I like to talk about, get people's opinion on in on the podcast is what makes a great trail community. And this could be anything. Like I know you talked about traveling to Moab. Is there anything in your mind that sticks out to you that you kind of look for when it comes to places you have traveled to that you'd like that you really liked or places that you look for when you do travel or potentially, you know, get new destinations that you want to go to?
0: You know, I think that it all, it all revolves around the trail. You know, you have to have that trail and I think, I think it has a lot to do with how easy that trail is to access. Um, it's around here. Um, I'm just south of Clinton, and we've, we have Bluffton, it's 40 minutes away, and we have Woolly Hollow that's 40 minutes away. We're an hour and 20 from Little Rock. We're an hour and 20 from Nebo. And it's just really hard to have a community. When you don't have the people in close proximity to the trail, I think, you know, and that's something that is, uh, if you've been to Northwest Arkansas, it's, it's just absolutely, you're in a different world with the, the community part of it. You know, you ride your bike, you come back to town, you go eat, everybody else is doing the same thing. Hey, Bob, what's going on? Where did y'all, you know, it's, uh, and I think without the close proximity of trails to where people live, it makes it really hard to have a really strong community.
2: Yeah. that That is, I mean, you're going back to what we talked about early on, which is more trails close to home.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's, that slogan is, you know, i spot on with it um, and it's getting out and people are understanding. It just, just takes a while.
2: Yeah. And even at the more basic level, when it comes to that, like, I don't know how many people learn to ride mountain bikes at destination locations. I mean, you can, obviously aside from, aside from Northwest Arkansas, but like you don't go to Mount Moab to learn to ride a mountain bike. You learn to ride a mountain bike close to where you live and decide to take it to that next level.
0: Yeah. You know, and that's, that's exactly the way that I got started mountain biking. I got on the mountain bike that was borrowed. I didn't have anywhere to ride. I didn't want to go. To a uh, quote, real trail, because there would be real mountain bikers there and they would look at me like, Who is this dude? <laughs> uh, you know, and that's why I made trails close to home in my yard, you know, and when I need to blow off steam or uh, I sit down and do a podcast for two hours, I can go jump on my bike and go hammer out and then go do something an hour later. And that that's just super nice.
2: Yeah. Yeah, do you have um access that comes out, that can come online in Clinton where you live?
0: Yeah, so we're in a really rural area. Lots of private farms, private land. There's in Clinton proper, they have two pretty good sized rivers that come together with no type of river walk or anything on them right now. Um nobody uses the banks of the river. It's it's really set up perfect, but when you're in super rural Arkansas, the traditions and the mindsets are nothing like in the cities or, you know, where people have been using trails for years. It's kind of a, I wouldn't say an uphill battle. It just takes a while for people to come around to, to see the benefits of what a three mile river walk would do for your community.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. And and get that appropriate access outside and along that bank. Because there's probably people going there, I'm guessing, right? Nobody just
1: Well,
0: you know, a lot of it's private, but you a lot of it can't be used for anything. It's in the floodplain. You know, and then there's that whole issue of of hard construction in the floodplain. But the city park floods every year and they throw money to the ball fields and rebuild the fence and all of that. So, you know, why not do it with trail and, and give the whole community something to benefit from? And we won't get off on the ball field tangent.
2: <laughs> I can tell you about a ball field. <laughs> yeah. So We tore one out locally. Really? Did you build trail on it? No, we built an asphalt pump track in a skills area.
0: Awesome. I guarantee the maintenance bill will be cheaper on that than the ball field was.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, that's one of the, one of the things that, and this story has been told before too, but you know, it was, I think it was in 2000 spring, early, late winter, early spring of 2018. It was late winter, February. I want to say 2018, our parks director, we used to have a long standing monthly meeting with our parks director, a trails organization did. And it was myself and a couple of leaders at the organization that would meet with the park director and his staff. And there was already a skate park next to this ball field that was put in in 1999. And it was all concrete. And it was done with a concrete contractor who wasn't super well versed in what transitions are and, and stuff, and like how a skate park should actually probably be built
0: right
2: so obvious it saw use it had it even has a full on full concrete half pipe nice you know so long story short the parks director came to us at one of our meetings and said hey we got this ball field next to the skate park we already have money in our budget to redo some of the skate park because we know that it needs to be updated we have a, a potential contractor online which is uh Progressive Ramp Company, not to be confused with Progressive Trail Building Company, but not too far out of, you know, they're out of the the Joplin, Missouri area. And they also that same company also has a separate arm that that builds pre-manufactured features and have a catalog full of features for like bicycle playgrounds, right? Yeah. And so we, you know, we looked at the park director and uh, actually we, Back in 1999, when I saw the skate park getting built, you know, asphalt pump tracks weren't really a thing. Bicycle playgrounds weren't really a thing. But I always had the thought of, like, this would be a great place for a BMX track, right? And so for a long time, I'd looked at this area because it had a pretty long uh, slope that ran into it, you know, that you could use for a starting area. And I always thought that'd be really good for a, you know, for a BMX track. And they were. I think we kind of, we look at asphalt pump tracks as being really new.
0: But yeah, it's, it's, it's basically a BMX track with pavement on it. <laughs> but
2: in, in like, you know, top level BMX tracks, we're already paving corners and stuff. Right. You know? And so it's really, it's, it's not that new. It just has now been inter- introduced into parks as park amenities. Right. And so, yeah, we looked at, we looked at our parks director and we said, yeah, we can totally do something with that ball field. That's next to that skate park, which didn't meet legal dimensions. So it wasn't actually being used as a ball field. And, you know, and, and it actually got built, it went from, and I give a lot of credit to, our, to the executive director of our, of our trails org for this. It went from that conversation to cu- cutting the ribbon and being 100% complete in that calendar year. We opened it Ooh. to the public in October of that year.
0: That's uh that's pretty special right there. That's a super accelerated timeline. <laughs> that is definitely not the speed of government. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no,
2: that is not the speedy government. But you know, and it's funny cuz myself and that executive director were in Bentonville in June of that year and he had a, he'd already had a a preliminary layout and plan for the asphalt pump track in the skills area and how it seamlessly runs into the skate park so you can actually transition from the skate park to the pump track. And we were listening to Gary Vernon talk about how certain things get built at a certain pace. In Northwest Arkansas, we looked at each other and we're like, yeah, we can, we can do that too. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Just watch, (laughs) you know, and it happened. And that was all the, all the executive director's credit. Like he, he took that one and he ran with it and he did a really good job with it, you know? And, and I, and even to this day, like we're having a really rough spring, right. For, in terms of weather, you know, it's raining out again right now. And literally I have people talk to me and say, or we'll message on Facebook and say, where can we go ride? It's like, well, the trails are muddy, but there's this thing called the asphalt pump track. And while it's not a full trail system, it's a place you can go, unless it's covered in snow and ice, you can really go there year round.
0: Yeah. Stuff like that's really good to have around. We're running into that here and addressing that problem of, hey, we're in town for three days from... You know, we're from Michigan. There's snow on the ground. We're coming to Arkansas. They get here and it rains for three days. Well, those folks need somewhere to ride, too. And I think everybody down here is finally realizing that, hey, like we've got to do some hard surface stuff.
2: Yeah. And it has, you know, they did a good job up and they've done a good job, obviously, in the Bentonville area, especially in Rogers with the rail yard when they finally paved that.
0: Yeah, that place is sick, man. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I never went up there. Uh, it's been, it's been there for years, but every time we were in the area and wanted to go by, it was closed because it had rained in the last two weeks or whatever it was, you know? And, uh, so I lived here the whole time it's been built and, uh, never visited till it got paved basically. And that's it's amazing to go to go there and just see the amount of little shredders out there doing things that I wouldn't even think of. And they're on a 16 inch wheeled bike. And I'm just like, man, what, what is this going to do in 15 or 20 years? Like it's, you know, a great community builder.
2: Well, and hopefully in 15 to 20 years, features in parks like the Rallyard, maybe not to that scale, but maybe a smaller scale, although it would be awesome to have that scale everywhere become a lot more mainstream, like swings and slides and jungle gyms and monkey bars.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely coming here. We talked to a little, uh, we talked to a lot of small municipalities that are wanting on board with the mountain bike thing. And that's what they want. They want a rail yard because that's what they see. And they see all the people. And, you know, we, we, we try to give people what they want, but we also try to be realistic with them and say, "Hey, like you can't just build a like a rail yard in the middle of Mountain View, for say, you know, people are gonna come, but all your locals are gonna be mad, except for your ortho doctors. <laughs> They're gonna love it because you're gonna have people hurt all the time because you don't really have the ridership there to." to handle that. You know, the ability is just not there and, and, and kids are going to be kids. They're going to go send it. (laughs) So, you know, and this may, that kind of segues into something I didn't say about ATS earlier. And that's, you know, one of the main things uh, we wanted to fix going into business, be our niche or whatever you want to call it, was we were seeing a lot of these little towns talking to what well, then were the current contractors, and those current contractors were giving them prices, and you know they were being being in the community. We were getting to see a little bit of that, and it was you know they were basically saying, "Hey, if we even take this to the city council, they will hang us in the streets for even thinking that we can pay that much for trail." Things have kind of changed now, but that was you know several years ago, and even smaller projects weren't getting the attention they needed for these small towns. And we just kind of saw that need and jumped in and said, Hey, we'll, you know, we'll do the smaller projects. We'll get you trail in your town with the understanding of the more, you know, and I, thought I mentioned this to you in Bentonville, the more trail on the ground, the better in most cases. So, and that's kind of, That's kind of where we're at with ATS is, um, helping people that wouldn't necessarily have that opportunity to get trail in their town to help them out with that.
2: Yeah. And going back to the, the rail yard thing, you know, you talked about how it was wet all the time and that's, you know, it's one of those things, like, I think people are hopefully starting to see the light that if you're going to do a public facility like that, it's gotta be, it's gotta be hard surfaced. Or there's got to be at least yeah. a, a component of hard surfacing there?
0: There, I, I would not think about building one that wasn't going to be hard surface. There's just, even if you were in um, a lot drier area, there's so much maintenance. All those jump, I mean, those, a jump by nature is steep, made to throw you in the air. So the trajectory of it is, you know, 45 degrees or whatever, and everybody... This ridden trails knows if you have a 45 degree trail, then it's going to go bye-bye as soon as it rains. So there's just so much maintenance in steep dirt that it it costs a little bit in the beginning, but then you don't have to have a a five-person crew for the rest of that park's life just to take care of it and keep it safe.
2: As you were saying that, it just the thought just popped into my brain that we have some new pickleball courts opening up here where I live.
0: Yeah, pickleball is a huge thing down here, Rand. And, I don't get it, but I I, I think – I'm not even sure I know what it is, but I think it is uh, tennis with a bigger ball and smaller rackets.
2: Yeah, it's like, it's like not, I, wiffle ball I, tennis I, or something I, like that. Right.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, you know, so when it comes to infrastructure like pickleball courts, tennis courts, basketball courts, pools – You know, most people don't even think twice about getting, you know, funding that type of stuff when it comes to, you know, public access and and, in public parks. And to get to that point of like, you know, it really doesn't cost any more to build an asphalt pump track than it does to, say, put in 10 pickleball courts. It's the same material.
0: Yeah, it's the exact same thing. It's just not an idea that everybody's familiar with. Correct. And that's, you know. Uh, we're really lucky here. Um, we can go, you know, a, a community can contact us and, you know, we're thinking about trails, come talk to us and we can throw them in the truck and take them to Bentonville and just ride around for the day. And it's, uh, there's, there's no denying like, yes, that's what we want to do. And it, it really makes it super easy on us.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, is there anything you want to close on? wrap this thing up I
0: am not you know I think we've probably hammered most things I had to talk about uh, yeah
2: well where do we find more information about ATS so
0: we're on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube all as Affordable Trail Solutions and we do have a website that is www affordable trail
2: And all those links will be in the show notes for this episode as well. And you're going to see your, your website traffic and your YouTube stuff just totally blow up. Sweet.
0: We're, uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> That's a we're, false looking claim. To, we're, uh, you know, back to the, back to the maintenance funding. Uh, we're looking for YouTube to give us a lot of money and we will turn around and use that for trail maintenance.
2: <laughs> you know, we didn't go there, but that was actually. Want to talk Patreon for
1: a second?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a conversation that needs to be had.
2: I think.
1: Yeah. So, as we, this is the bonus content
2: <laughs> at this point. <laughs> behind the scenes. The behind the scenes. Yeah, recording shut off. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> you know, like I had been told by a handful of people that a Patreon account should be started for for the podcast Trail Effect. And I, you know, I'd gone back and forth and gone back and forth and didn't really know what to do with it. And then, you know, it, I did I did decide to start it and quickly was like I don't know if this is right for me because I don't like I believe something like Trail Effect really should not be funded by the listeners but more by if if it's going to get funded more by the industry itself right you know we can get like my goal with with this podcast has been to spread knowledge about trails and trail communities with the hopes that more trails and trail communities will come online right right and the people that benefit from that and i don't i don't even believe that i don't even believe that really should be trail builders but more of people that sell equipment you know and so i kind of wrestled with that And I got, you know, you signed up as a Patreon patron and a couple other people signed up as Patreon patrons. And I was, I'm super grateful for that, but I, I could, I still, I just just couldn't wrap my head around that concept. And actually I pivoted pretty quickly in my brain and I was going to wait to talk about this for maybe a year or two to see where it went.
1: Yeah. But here we are 15 days
2: later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, ultimately this this is your brainchild and you know, if, if, if that is not where you see the path going, like I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, if that's not your vision, that's not your vision. I just know how much, how much work it is to do what you do and how much benefit that I personally get out of it. And, you know, I don't know how many, how many views you have or whatever the, podcast world calls them, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that get a lot of value out of this podcast. And I look at it as I don't really want this podcast to go away because you get burned out or don't have time or whatever the reason, you know, and personally, I think it would be cool if you somehow made enough monetary gain that you could work part-time doing the regular job or whatever, you know, there's always different scenarios, but I personally find a lot of value in it. And I just wanted to convey that to you. And I hope I didn't push you in in that direction.
2: No, that's actually, that seed was planted long before you. In fact, it's been planted pretty heavily by my girlfriend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, cause yeah. she, cause she see, you know, she's not a, she's not even really a mountain biker. She's going to get into it potentially, but she sees the work that I put in and there, you know, and I, this is, I'm not a professional audio guy. I don't have, you know, my, I've, have I gotten more efficient at all of it? Yeah. But it does take a lot of, it does take a lot of time to edit, you know, a show and get it up to the quality that I want to put out. And I still, every show I put out personally, like I, I find issues with the audio and some of it can be correctable. Some, be, some of it can't be correctable. Some of it, I spend a bunch of time trying to figure out how to correct it. You know, yeah. thanks to things like YouTube, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, YouTube is YouTube is huge. Um, you know, and and so you, you are right. The one question I kept going back to is I started this with no monetary end game. Like, and I, I ask myself this question regularly. Would I do this if there was no money in it? Well, yes, because I'm actually still doing it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's easy to answer. <laughs> you know what I
2: mean?
1: And so it's like it. I don't know. I don't know if the money would prevent burnout. Um.
2: I yeah. I've struggled with that in other aspects of life. You know. We. I think we, as humans, we all go back ebb and flow with with things we're into. I personally like. I get really energized coming off of interviews like this. Like that to me. Like I was truly curious when I started this podcast, I did it, I did it for a couple of reasons, but one of the big ones is that I wanted access to people to ask questions to about trail building. And I figured if, if I had a platform to where I could share those answers with the world, however big that may be, I could, I could maybe get access to, to getting questions answered. Right. Yeah. And hopefully people would find value in it. And so that was really you know, on the most basic level. And it's open doors that I'd ever saw opening either. Like, I mean, I, I still get, like, I still have to pinch myself, you know, and people are like, yeah, I'll do an interview with you. Like, really? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, and, and then this is where we're going to go side. Well, if, let me finish my thought on this. So when we're sticking on Patreon, once that got started, I, I quickly pivoted in my mind to like, okay, this is coming in. How can I parlay this venture into a way to give back to trails for maintenance you know so that was one of the things that i actually thought of is can i you know like you know we were kind of going back and forth in email with like different companies that give back to to trails right and so how can how can trail effect do the same thing and i i i would love to be able to say that at some point trail effect is able to to fund maintenance I, i i prefer funding going to maintenance planning and advocacy To get to building, because I think when you have the uh, maintenance planning and well, for sure, the planning and advocacy that you can you get a really huge force multiplier to then fund trails.
0: That is that is that is correct,
2: you know, and so
0: if you don't have if you don't have the plan and, you know, basically spend some money up front to get a good plan, it's you know, it's probably not going to happen.
2: Yeah, and so I'd love to be able. I'd love at some. I would love at some point to be able to get to the point of funding, planning, advocacy, IE, i.e., lobbying in places that don't have good access, and or maintenance, because those I think, in in my view, are the things that trails need more than anything at this moment.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that for sure.
2: You know so. I had another thought, but I lost my. it, it escaped me. Oh, I know where I was going to go. I might cut this out. We'll see. We'll see how spicy I get when I'm editing. <laughs> so you listed a bunch of companies that give back. Um, some of those companies I, t- I definitely agree with. One of those companies I'm really confused on. And the one company that I'm really confused on is Fox in the Trail Trust.
0: Yeah, so I didn't know anything about that until uh, we were talking through email. And I just was well, I'll just look. Look them up. You know, I knew Specialized had their soul searching and a few other companies uh, give 1% or $1 per sale or whatever it might be. But yeah, I don't know a lot about their program and haven't, I haven't, you know, personally, I haven't seen many of those programs uh, in the wild live on the ground. So I don't know if that's, uh, you know, their home office area or what that is. But, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I've reached out to them multiple times. Really? Yeah. Um, I initially reached out when I it was probably like, like, you know, how feed works and things like Facebook. They know that you're into certain things. And so those things auto populate in your feed.
1: Is that how that works. I think so. There's somebody smarter
2: than both of us that did something mathematically that, that if, you like, us, uh, if you like, if you look up a mattress, out. Go ahead. I was gonna say, if you look up mattresses for the next month and a half, you're gonna see mattresses in your feed, right? Oh, dude, you don't even
0: have to look them up. That's that's how we that's how we shop around here. Is we just say what we're looking for and then get on Facebook in ten minutes and there it is.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the Fox Trail Trust thing came on my radar probably within 24 hours of it being launched. And I was like, Oh, this is great. You know, cause I've had other companies on the podcast that do this sort of thing. Cause I truly believe that that's where the money should, a lot of it should come from. Yeah, You, know, you can't, how do you expect to sell a mountain bike if you got no place to ride it or pads for whatever, you know, name your, name your, your item. Right. So I reached out to, to Fox on the information site that's provided with the trail trust and said hey I you know I have this podcast I've had other companies such as Santa Cruz which I side sidebar I think Santa Cruz and what they're doing is actually leading the industry with it because they're super broad with what they're fun I mean they funded a bar tab at a local bar once for trail builders now I don't really drink huh. but yeah like that's thinking outside of the box a little bit to motivate people right yeah that's super cool you know so they've done they're not they're they have done they are not they they do not stick themselves in a box with what they're willing to fund. They're willing to fund pretty much anything that logically makes sense to them. You know, now I got delayed response back from Fox. It took a while and it went and it took actually, I think maybe me saying, Hey, like a," you know, and I don't like to bug people, but in this one, I'm like, this is a person in the industry. They're a company that's looking to get outreach about their trail trust thing. Maybe I can help provide it and at least educate people and myself on what the trail trust actually is. And when I finally did get through to them, I kept getting questions like, What are, how many people are listening to your podcast? What are your numbers like? You know, basically trying to qualify me as a person or a podcaster and whether or not they should take the time to go on the podcast. And and I get that. I don't you know, I don't like to waste people's time. But it was the first time that I really got grilled on that from anybody you know I, and I simply responded at one point I just said look all it really I have I don't get any I don't make any money from this this is a side project for me I really truly enjoy trails I really truly enjoy promoting what is happening with trails and especially companies such as your own company that wants to help help give back to trails all you really need to do is invest an hour of your time and we'll, and we'll stick a show out there and it just went nowhere and so huh. it, it was it, it's, it was frustrating to me because I'm like, look, I'm trying to help you do your job that's how I kind of how I looked at it and maybe yeah, that's a little elitist or a bad way for me to say that
0: no, but- I don't think that's a bad way to to look at that at all you know every you know I hear it all the time they're in the bike world bikes and our equipment it's all good it's a matter of. Uh, what makes people buy is if, if they believe in a company or not and the way that company acts and, you know, mingles with their community. And if, you know, that just doesn't sound like a very good way to to mingle with the community to me. But
2: yeah, and actually it was sponsored content. So they're paying for a sponsored content on Facebook that pushed me to reach out a second time. And I was yeah. like, in my mind, I'm like, look, they're paying for ads. Like this is, this is free. Like I'm
1: not,
2: and it might be somebody's job though. They actually get paid to talk to me because it's, you know, the marketing department or whoever, you know what I mean? And so I just, I truly just wanted to get their story out and kind of, you know, in, in what, in what it really was. And it just kind of went, kind of went nowhere. And I kind of got turned off when they asked me about all my numbers. And at that point I was on mountain bike radios before I took this onto its own feed um, and the and the numbers, you know, with Mountain Bike Radio, I didn't get to personally see them because Ben uh, runs that aspect of Mountain Bike Radio. But from what Ben was telling me, I was getting anywhere from, you know, twenty five hundred to five thousand downloads per episode. I'm not getting those numbers now, but at the time, uh, th- that seemed pretty good.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a lot of people.
2: You know, I'm I'm in the hundreds now. I'm not in the thousands. You yeah, because I'm rebuilding well, the feed.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know, and JRA is the same way. Yeah, just when you when you when (laughs) when everybody goes to the store and you're there and then all of a sudden you're not, they have to figure out where you went. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes that takes a while.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's I, I will say, though, the numbers might not be there like they were. But I know the quality is there of listeners, that is, because now the people that are listening to me are that those people that really have seeked out what is being said on trail effect. And I get the messages from people about, you know, keep doing what you're doing. We really love this show. You know, I get those messages and those messages. I mean, like there is nothing through this that's more meaningful to me than that. than to actually hear that somebody might've been, it was you or it was somebody else at, at the PTBA conference. that was like, I knew who you were, not because I saw you, but because I heard your voice. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. So we were, we were in the, uh, the, um, at the hub bike lounge there at the Arkansas Trail Builders with,
2: uh, oh, with Phil, Phil Penny and, and Aaron. Yeah.
0: And, Phil and Aaron and Woody and, um, the Trailblazer bunch. And, uh, you'd ask a question towards the end. And it's like, well, that's Josh Blum. I don't even have, like, I don't know what he looks like. I've never seen him, but that's him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and stuff like that just means a ton. Like it, it means that people are listening and people that are within the industry are listening and do and not beat the Fox horse too dead. Like that's the audience I believe they need to be marketing to because. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's trail builders and trail communities and trail advocates that are the ones that are going to want to know about the, the trail trust.
0: Yeah. You know, and I'll just go ahead and say it Fox, you need to fix that. <laughs> you, you make, you make good stuff. Uh, well, oh, they make great know, stuff. Hold- they make great stuff. I love my Fox stuff. It's like riding on a pillow. But yeah, you can't you don't you don't need to be acting like that.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I will say, it maybe they won't like this, but I will say I, my newest bike came with rock shocks. Yeah. And it still feels weird for me to ride a bike that says rock shocks on it. Yeah. Like it all my other bikes that have been that have had suspension have always had Fox. They were, well, not always. Back in the day when we're talking way back in the day, before Dinosaurs. I did have a Manitou <laughs> original elastomer fork, so it's yeah. not always been Fox.
0: Yeah, we've got, we've got, uh, you know, Rock Shock and Fox just kind of scattered about on ours. And I like different things about different ones, but when, when, when I go to grab the big boy bike and it's got all the, you know, I forget what even what it is, Fox Performance Select or whatever. I mean, it's just like riding the Cadillac. But yeah, it doesn't climb like the Cadillac, so there's that.
2: Yeah, yep. And we digressed into into technology now.
0: <laughs> That's a never <laughs> ending subject there. And if it ends, you just wait till next week and yep, there'll be something else come out.
2: Yep, there'll be some new wireless Bluetooth enabled device for your bike.
0: Oh yeah, it's uh yeah. Don't knock the don't knock the robot shifting. It's I just bit the bullet and uh it's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, it is. It, you know, it actually what makes mo- the most sense to me with robot related bluetooth items is and it's super expensive and I don't have it, but I think it makes more sense than anything is the is the dropper post.
0: Oh, for sure. We do a lot of gravel riding here just cuz it's uh that's our kind of our trail closest to home is gravel roads and if any of you have been to Arkansas on our gravel, it's steep and it's chunky, and I'm talking steep. Don't come here with a one by steep or you. You'll be you'll get we begin a calf workout from walking in your cleats. But it's you know, I've got a journeyman and I haven't done it yet because the dropper posts are so expensive. But that's basically one of the only ways you can take that post and put it in any bike. So essentially. Yeah, the dropper post is whatever it is on cost, but if all your seat tubes are the same or you know compatible, you can just take that off and put it on anything.
2: Yeah, and that's why I think it makes so much sense on a on a dropper because you don't you don't have to worry about dropper routing, cable routing, or however.
0: Yeah, you know, and there's always external routing, but man, I'm just I guess I'm that guy that I just you know you can't win if you don't look cool. Wow. Not that I win, but I but I want to look cool. So hopefully I might
2: could win. <laughs> if there's any external routing that does look goofy, it's drop or post external routing.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, that's that's what I was saying with that. Not a externally routed bike because I do like the old school. I've got a a Canfield Nimble Nine that's all external and it's pretty sharp and. Uh, You don't have to take everything apart to put it together.
2: You don't have to, you don't have to unhook your brake hoses to. Yeah. You you don't,
0: you you don't have to unbuild your bike to build your bike. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, Jeff, should we wrap this sucker up?
0: Yeah. Wrap her up.
2: Well, I, I appreciate your time again and, and patience with all this and, and getting it set up. So.
0: Oh, no worries, man. Thanks for having us. We, uh, We love talking trails. That's why we're here.
1: Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed on the show can be found in the show notes. Our next episode features Benji Neff and Giants Ridge Resort and Bike Park, located in Biwapak, Minnesota. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect Podcast, check out our ever expanding library of episodes. This podcast has been made possible by Smith's Bike Shop and has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. If you have ideas in future communities or people to feature in Trail Fact, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.